You're listening to the Capay Friends Community Church Podcast, recorded May 26, 2015. God is. Hello and welcome to the podcast. Glad you are with us wherever you are. Today we're continuing on in Acts chapter 11, starting in verse 19 through 30. A few weeks ago, uh, I went out to take some pictures early in the morning. Some of you know that I, I love photography. I enjoy it. It's a fun hobby. Don't know if I'm very good at it, but I enjoy it. And so I decided to go out early in the morning take some long exposure uh, photography. Now, that's long exposure is when you open up the shutter for a long period of time so it gathers in lots of light, right? Usually when you take a picture with your phone or with a camera, it just goes, right? And it gathers in just in that instant the the light and creates a picture well with long exposure when it's dark you have to open up the lens for a long time to let it gather in as much light and so my goal was I knew it was early in the morning and off to the to the east the sun would be rising so there would be light even though your eyes can't see it yet the camera with the long exposure will pick it up and then I wanted to get get the Milky Way and because it was a dark dark night there were no um the moon the moon was gone on this particular night, um, and the stars were brilliant. So I, so I set my tripod up, my camera, I point it that way, and you'll see at the bottom, uh, I'll post a picture, this actual picture that I'm talking about. I'm talking about a picture on a podcast. That seems silly. Um, and you can see how brilliant the Milky Way is and how the light in the horizon from where the sun is about to rise. Now, To the eye, you can't see it, but you know that the light is there. That is one of the tasks of a photographer. A photographer has to figure out where the light is and what it's doing so they can uh, take a proper shot. This works whether you're taking a shot with a cell phone or whether you're taking a picture with a uh, fancy DSLR. You have to know where the light is um, to get a good shot shot and so on this particular day I got it's incredible you see the Milky Way you see the sunrise and it's because I was trying to discern where the light is you see sometimes we struggle to see where the light is is because we're not paying attention see sometimes we struggle to see what God is doing because we're, we're not looking for it maybe we're distracted by other things but we're not looking for what God is doing around us. I've been coaching T-ball um, for, with my, for my son's team for the last couple of years, and, and it's been a lot of fun. The kids are, are a joy to be around. And something always happens every single game. They're really good the first inning. We, we go out onto the field, and I assign them their positions, and then when the first batter comes up, I tell them all, all right, Marlins, show me your ready position. And so the kids, they get down uh, with their butts low to the ground, their, their gloves ready to feel the ball, and they're ready. They're watching the batter. And this happens, it happens great the first inning. Like they're paying attention. They're, they're, they know what to do. But usually by the time we get to the third inning, the third inning is the last inning in, in T-ball, the kids, uh, they, they've lost focus. They're, they're not paying attention. They're distracted by things going on at other fields. They're looking at their friends. They're picking grass. They're picking their noses. 
Um, they're playing with their hats. All sorts of craziness goes on out in the field in the third inning. Now, one particular game, the ball was hit, and nobody was paying attention. In fact, every kid was distracted, and the ball just kept going. And I had to say, Marlins, go get the ball. And then finally, one kid like poked his poked his head up from picking grass and decides to run and go grab the ball. You see, you have to pay attention in baseball, right? Or, or you're going to get hit by the ball. You have to pay attention so you can field the ball. Um, some of you guys uh, heard this story. You, you know what happened a few weeks ago. But um, along our driveway, there's this propane tank, right? We're on propane out here in the country. And so it runs parallel to my driveway. So whenever I'm backing out of my driveway, my one goal in life um, at that moment is to not hit the propane tank, right? If I hit the propane tank, I'll blow up the house um, and my car, myself, the kids, and, and the church. And I live in the parsonage right next to the church. And um, it wouldn't be good. So I always make a conscious effort to avoid the propane tank. I always swing ra- wide to the right. Now, on this particular day, my wife, she had parked slightly behind me and to the right. And so me being the responsible person that I am, avoiding the propane tank, I swing my car out my car out hard to the right, and I back right into my wife's car. And the, re- and I, the reason why is I wasn't paying attention. I wasn't looking for it. And this is, this is what we're called to do as Christians. We're called to look and see what God is doing. We're called to see and look what God is doing because where God is is where we want to be. We want to participate in what God is doing. Like a photographer trying to figure out where the light is and going to the light, so do we. But sometimes we struggle to see it. Sometimes we struggle to see what God is doing, what the light is doing doing because we're not paying attention turn your bibles to acts chapter 11 starting in verse 19 it says this now those who had been scattered by the persecution that broke out when stephen was killed traveled as far as Phoenicia, cyprus and antioch spreading the word only among jews some of them however men from cyprus and cyrene went to Antioch and began to speak to Greeks also, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. The Lord's hand was with them, and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. News of this reached the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he arrived and saw the grace of what the grace of God had done, he was glad and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and a great number of people were brought to the Lord. Then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul, and when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. So for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught a great number of people. The disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. During this time, some prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. One of them, named Agabus, stood up and through the Spirit predicted that a severe famine would spread over the entire Roman world. This happened during the reign of Claudius. The disciples, as each one was able, decided to provide help for the brothers and sisters living in Judea. 
This they did sending their gifts to the elders by Barnabas and Saul. So the word of the Lord is spreading. In fact, it's gotten all the way to Antioch. Remember the beginning of Acts, that they were to go to the ends of the earth, to Judea and Samaria. And in fact, we, we read earlier how, um, how, the word of the God was, how the word of God was spreading to those parts. And now it seems that the word of God has spread all the way to Antioch, and people are responding to the word of the Lord. In verse 21, it says, the Lord's hand was with them. This is, this is what's going on in Antioch. God is with them. God is moving in Antioch. And so as a response, the, the disciples in Jerusalem, this is kind of the hub of where everything has been, decide to send Barnabas out to go see what God is doing in Antioch. So he goes, and when he gets there, he makes an op- observation that he sees the grace of God, that he sees how the grace of God is with them. And so he goes there and he encourages them. He, he, he wants to embolden them to keep going, don't let up. Now it gives us this interesting um, detail. Um, and, and I didn't catch it until later on in my studying, but it says the disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. Now cr- the the name Christian was not something that insiders gave themselves, but this is what outsiders um, called the people who were following Jesus. It wasn't a self-given name. It was given by outsiders. So when Barnabas gets there, he's, we see that he's there encouraging them. He's there encouraging them because what he knows is that there is a whole big world out there that is going to discourage them. There's a whole world out there that's going to label them, that's going to um, try to tear them down. And it's in fact that, that this is the first time that we see the word Christians. They were first Christians in Antioch. This is where that name came about. So the word of God is moving and Barnabas is there encouraging them. But then Barnabas decides that he needs to go and get Saul so Saul can see what God is doing um, among these Greek believers in Antioch. So, so Barnabas, he goes to Tarsus. Now, if you remember uh, a few chapters back, the disciples sent Saul to Tarsus. That's his hometown because they were trying to kill him in Jerusalem. So Barnabas goes and he gets Saul and they c- come back to Antioch and they're there and they're preaching and encouraging them. And then something happens in verse 28. Everybody's favorite Bible character, Agabus, right? We all remember Agabus, don't we? Probably not. He's, he's only mentioned twice in the book of Acts, twice in all of Scripture. And every time he shows up, he's bringing bad news. In Acts 21, he's predicting, um, I believe it's uh, Saul Paul's arrest, right? And here, Agabus comes, and through the Spirit... He predicts famine. And so the church of Antioch decide that they are going to support the church in Judea. So Antioch was the third largest city in the Roman Empire, next to Rome, Alexandria, and then Antioch. So being one of the largest cities, a large place of influence in the Roman Empire, they probably had more resources than the smaller Um, towns and cities of the Roman Empire. And so what they decide to do 
is is gather their resources and give to the church in Judea. Now notice Agabus, he does not do this on his own or or to gain his own power, but he does this through the Spirit. It, it's, it's God that is speaking through him to the people. See, I think when we are in tune with the Spirit, when we are in the light, when we are close to the heart of God, we are in tune with reality. We are in tune with what's going on around us. When we are in tune with what God is doing, um, we're also in tune to the things going on around us. God gives us um, this ability to see what is. Now, at this time, it gives us a specific date or a specific time period when this happened. It happened during the reign of Claudius. Now, if you've ever studied Claudius, um, he was he was kind of, he was a tyrant, like a lot of the Caesars were. Um, but one of the things that he was known for was just um, he would just off senators. He would just get rid of them. Um, I imagine it's probably a lot like The Sopranos or something like that. He would just go and he would get rid of anybody who disagreed with him. And so you could imagine being a person in the midst of the Roman Empire under the rule of Claudius. When a famine comes, the last thing a Caesar would want to do is to admit that there is a famine, admit that there is a problem, right? It's going to somehow lessen or or maybe people will think less of the Caesar because in this time, Caesar was like God. He controls all of this. And so the way the church responds, they see that there's this famine coming. Now, whether this would have been communicated to the outside world or how aware they were that it was coming, the church understands that something is about to happen and we need to respond. So what they do is they gather their resources because they're in a place of influence and they give it to Judea. And I think the reason why that the church is able to do this because Agabus is close to the heart of God. If you remember in the Gospel of John, there's this scene, the Last Supper, where they're all um, gathered in the upper room. And, and there's this scene where Jesus predicts his death, and he says, one of you is going to betray me. And in the Gospel of John, it gives this detail that the disciple whom Jesus loved was reclining up against Jesus, and then you have Peter kind of off at a distance. And when Jesus says this, Peter, he's trying to get the disciple whom Jesus loves attention. And he's asking the disciple whom Jesus loves, what does he mean? What does he mean somebody's going to betray him? You see, the people who are closest to the heart of God, the people who are closest to Jesus understand what is going on the people who are closest to the light the people who are looking for it are able to respond so our question today is how do you discover how the spirit is moving how do we discern where the light is and what it's doing and i want to propose to us three ways in which how we discover how the spirit of god is moving the first one is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit actually reveals to us, 
right? We can know the mind of Christ right here in the present. You don't need a priest. You don't need an intermediary for God to speak to you. That's one of the reasons why in the midst of our, in our worship services, we take time to sit in silence. How often do we sit and just be quiet and wait on the Lord and allow God to speak to us? Or how many times are we in the midst of chaos and the busyness and, we, and it seems that as though everything is going wrong and how often do we ask in that moment, God, what are you doing right here and right now? A few years ago, I had the opportunity and blessing to do a funeral for a man who was in the Mexican drug cartel. And, um, and so at this funeral, there was a wide variety of people. Uh, this man had spent significant time in prison for attempted murder. Um, then he later got out because uh, his uh, he was just too much of a burden on the system because of all his medical needs. Um, he was bound to a wheelchair. He, he really couldn't hurt anybody. And eventually he passed away. And I, at the time, his son was part of uh, my youth ministry. And so I had gotten to know the family through... Um, his son, and they asked me to do the funeral. So at this funeral, there's this wide mix of people, people all over the map, and a lot of a lot of gangbangers. And so I had this message prepared that I was going to give at this funeral. And then I'm sitting there with my good friend Bob, who is our one of our pastors at the church, and he leans over to me and he asks me this question. He says, "Andy, I wonder what God is up to right here in this moment." I wonder what God is doing. And I remember thinking to myself, like, I was more concerned of what I was going to preach, what I was going to say. Um, I, was, I was a little nervous. Like, this was not my usual crowd that I, that I preach to um, normally. Um, but I was like, Wait, how are they going to respond? You know, how do I, you know, I'm trying to craft my sermon, how do I, uh, how do I bring the gospel message to these people? And my good friend Bob, he, rem- he just asked me that question. What, what do you think God is up to in this moment? And so it's one of those moments where the Holy Spirit clearly led me, and I walked up to the, to the front. And I asked the congregation, everybody there, I said, what is God up to right now? Because in the midst, we were all there grieving. There was loss. And he had gone through, this man had had a hard life. It was painful. And so I asked that question, what do you think God is up to? What is God doing with you right now? And I proceeded to share the gospel message and, and and actually, 11 people in that, in that crowd that day, there was about 300 people there, but 11 people stood up and accepted Christ at that man's funeral in front of the Mexican drug cartel. Now, I don't think that, I think if my, my good friend would not have asked and refocused me, what do you think God is up to? What do you think the Spirit is doing? I don't think I would have gone and preached the message I would have preached. I I would have preached the message that I had spent 
the whole week preparing for. But sometimes the Holy Spirit will speak to us through other people. And sometimes the Holy Spirit will just speak to us on our own. But we have to respond. The Holy Spirit will sometimes reveal where the light is. Another way in which we can discern and see how God is moving is through Scripture. See, Scripture helps us to see how God has moved. The, in, in the Bible, it's stories of people in space and time that have wrestled with God. It, it's people that haven't gotten it right all the time. It's people that have grieved. It's people that have celebrated. It's people that have been in pain. It's people that have suffered. It's people that have experienced joy things that we have all experienced here. And so when we read Scripture, when we read Scripture, it'll, it helps us, it points us in a direction where we can see these people that have gone before us that have written down their encounters with God, their encounters with, with the divine, their encounters with this God who interacts with us right here and right now. And sometimes reading those stories and hearing them over and over and having them memorized remind us and help us to see how God is working here in the present. And then the third way, the third way in which we discern how God is moving, where the light is, what he is about, is through community. You see, we need community to discern and help us. We can't do it on our own. We get into trouble most when we try to do it all by ourselves. We need a system of accountability. That's why um, the Friends Church, it's structured the way it is. That's why we have elders. That's why we have pastors. We have denominational leaders. But then we also have the local congregation. And one of the ways that we operate is, is, is that we are all called to be discerning what God is doing. That's one of the reasons why we don't vote. We don't vote here in Friends because it's not about what we think is best but it's about what God is leading us to. And we believe that through community, God is not going to be telling um, one group of people to do one thing and another group of people to do the complete opposite. But we believe that the Spirit is unifying and that and one of the ways we determine and we discern what God is doing is through community, through being together with one another, through discerning together. You see, in a highly individualistic culture, people crave community but struggle but struggle to function in one because we have to submit to one another. We have to submit to authority. We have to listen to one another. We have to discern together. So one of the ways that we see and helps us to understand how God is moving, what the Spirit is about, is through community. Right? So we have the Holy Spirit will reveal it to us. We have Scripture, and we have community. You see, we as a church need to be one body committed to discovering what God is doing here and now around us. We need to be aware of how God is working in the present. You see, I think one of the things the church, and, and I don't mean just us, but the, just the church in general, we are really good about complaining about what is going on in the world, but 
But then we tend to stay in that place, right? We tend to stay and say, man, look what's going on over there. I can't believe that's happening over there. I can't believe what's going on with Bruce Jenner. All those other things, like, we're like, oh, my goodness, what's going on? And we, we, we tend to sit right there and focus on all the problems, all the issues, all the things that are going on in the world. And believe me, there is plenty for us to be concerned about. But how much of that time do we spend looking for the light? How much time do we spend trying to figure out what God is doing in our midst, in this world? What God might be doing right in front of us? See, because God is active here and now. God is with us and God is for us. And once we discover what the light is doing, we need to respond and we need to move. Through the spirit Agabus, he predicts that there is this famine that's going to happen. And the Christians in Antioch respond. They don't just say, well, we'll wait and see. No, they they move. Sometimes we have memories about what has happened in the past. See, a church that marries the spirit of an age will become a widow in the next generation. See, if we tie ourselves to a way in which God moved in the past, we will be irrelevant in the present. Uh, I remember when I was doing youth ministry and my students always wanted to do all-nighters. They always wanted to do all-nighters. And I, as a youth pastor, hated all nighters they were miserable they were no fun i didn't even really enjoy them that much when i was a student you know part of a youth ministry and so every year we would uh do a magic mountain trip and we'd always get home from magic mountain probably around 1 30 or 2 and so i decided well this would be a great i should just make our magic mountain trip and couple it with an all nighter because half the night is already taken up they're busy and so me and uh, another youth pastor friend of mine, we got our youth groups together and we planned all these games to happen all through the early morning. Uh, we we're going to be doing turkey bowling and we we're going to be playing capture the flag and all these all these things. And, and these were all things that we had done as youth um, when we were in youth group. And we thought this is going to be so much fun. And so we were both working um, with with students in the inner city. Um, and so. And so we get back, and they're all asleep, and they're all tired, and we're all riled up. We're all ready to uh, do turkey bowling and play capture the flag, and it completely bombed. The kids had a miserable time. They hated They're all like, why are we doing the turkey bowling? Why is it all greasy? Why are we doing this? They didn't want to play capture the flag. Like They didn't understand the idea of teamwork. And one of the things we were doing is we were trying to replicate what we did when we were in youth group with these students who really couldn't handle teamwork. These were a bunch of kids who, who were used to just surviving on their own. They really didn't have parents that cared for them. Um, and so everything was always about themselves. And so we were trying to get them to play these games where they had to um, do teamwork and all this stuff. And it bombed and it, and it was terrible. You see, because I was trying to relate to a way in which, which youth ministry was successful when I was a kid. But the reality is, is that doesn't happen anymore. I wasn't being sensitive to how the Spirit of God is moving amongst people here today. 
imagine what if, what if I only related to my wife um, today the way we did when we first started dating, right? We started dating about 12 years ago. And what, what, if, what if I never moved beyond relating to my wife beyond our dating experiences, now, here and today, we've experienced a lot together, right? We, we, we got married. Um, we, we've had times of joy. We've had times of heartache and pain. We've had uh, kids, which have been joyful times. And uh, we've, gone, we've, we've gone through job changes and career shifts and all these things that in the last 12 years that we have experienced together that have formed and shaped our relationship and how we relate to one another. Imagine if I tried to relate to Sarah the same way when we were dating. You see, I, I probably, it'd be like I was a completely different person. You see, sometimes we try to relate to how the Spirit of God is moving, to how he worked in the past, and we try to replicate that. And sometimes that's dangerous because sometimes what happened in the past is great. And we need to look at what happened in the past as what God has done, what God has been about, how God has been moving. And let that be a lesson to us that God is active, that God is present, God has been faithful. But we can't just try to replicate it. We can't just try to replicate what's going on. You see, the, see, Barnabas, he couldn't just leave Jerusalem and get to Antioch and try to replicate the way God was moving um, in Antioch the way it was in Jerusalem, right? Because, because what's going on in Jerusalem, those are Jewish believers. It's a different thing, but these are Greek believers. And so the word that Barnabas brings to them are words of encouragement. Keep going. It's going to be tough. You guys are going to be outcasts among your people people even have a name for you they call you christians you see i believe that god is active here and now and god is with us and god is for us and god is calling us and moving us and he wants to shape us and mold us and draw us closer to him right here in the present but the question is, are we looking for the light? Are we looking for what God is doing? Are we asking in those chaotic moments, in those situations where it seems like there is no hope, when we hear those news stories about pain and suffering around the world, when we hear about people murdering others, when we hear about earthquakes when here in the midst of california we're in the midst of drought and we begin to wonder if the water is going to come do we ask the question god what are you doing right here god what are you doing right now among us I want to invite us today to discover what God is doing in the world. Because God's desire is, to is for you to partner with him in his great rescue plan. See, but one of the ways that we partner with God is we have to be asking, we have to be discerning 
We have to ask the Holy Spirit. We have to be in the word and we have to be together in community asking God, what are you doing right here and right now in the world and how can we be a part of it? So this week, as you go about your week, as you find yourself in those tough situations, or maybe you find those places of joy and celebration and beauty and rest and peace, would you ask, God, what are you about right now? What are you doing? How are you leading? God, where is the light?